Welcome back to the Extension Experience Podcast. I'm Dana Zook. I am back on the OSU Stillwater campus at the College of Vet Med, back with Rosalind Biggs. Rosalind, the listeners first met you in a previous episode where we discussed pink eye. And even though you are a beef extension specialist, you have a strong horse background. So instead of kind of giving your background again, okay. tell us a little bit about your horse background. And, and I think you do a little bit of that on the side in your free time. In my free time. Yes. In right. my free time. Yeah. They ask me, you know, what, what I do, what my hobbies are. And I just say raising, trying to raise good humans and livestock. So um, <laughs> my family's had horses really all my life. Um, my dad's family had a, a running horse operation, um, primarily quarter horses and a handful of thoroughbreds uh, in central Oklahoma until I was mm, nine or 10, I suppose. And um, then my sisters and I had shown uh, primarily Pony of the Americas okay. uh, throughout uh, throughout our youth career. And then when we wound that up, uh, my dad said, well, the show, we always rode mares for some mm -hmm. reason, primarily. He said, well, the mares are going to do something. And that led to um, a breeding operation. And... Um, now, because I don't have much sense at all, I have um, four stallions in my barn. Well, three stallions and one um, yearling stud colt. <laughs> oh um, and I'm a kind of a mare person for my for my horse friends on on the show. I, I don't uh, stallions are not necessarily my my pick, but mm -hmm. um, here I am. So. We um, we raise a handful of um, POAs each year, uh, primarily doing embryo transfer at this point of um, of show mares, and uh, we have some good partnerships with friends that have allowed us to be pretty successful with that. So well, that's cool. And so remind me, what makes a horse a POA? Yeah, it's a yeah. good question. Um, and we have some some of your greatest historic breeders in the in the breed uh are right here in oklahoma mm -hmm. um of note uh, the puff and barger family who yeah. you have a chance to work with one of our other extension friends yep, Tommy Puff and Barger. Alpha, yeah, alpha yeah. county yeah uh, a poa uh, it's a breed that was created uh, here in the u.s so mm -hmm. it's an american original they have to be uh 46 to 56 inches uh tall uh, so measurement at the withers okay so you divide that by four which of course is your your hands mm -hmm. uh, so they are um they are ponies but if you see them you're going to go well that looks a lot like a horse right. because there's a big infusion of horse genetics and they're originally designed to be a, a an animal for for youth and mm -hmm. Kids. And when I was a kid, that was largely at the shows was was heavily, heavily youth and it still is. Mm -hmm. But there's a larger number of uh, adult classes now just because of the size. Actually, a couple of the riding horses we've sold as of late um, went to uh, grandmas that wanted to show with their grandkids. And oh, cool. they liked the they liked the size of the pony and um, disposition as well. So we've got a pretty good contingency of POA people in in Oklahoma and um, some Hall of Fame breeders, including the Puffenbargers. Um, the, our, our family is very close with the Joneses from Pawnee uh -huh. and then um, the Morrises, which are uh, out of Edmond. Those are all Hall of Fame, uh, POA Hall of Fame breeders. So, And my dad, too, is in the Hall of Fame. He'll get yeah. mad if I didn't mention him. Right. Too, so. <laughs> Let's not forget yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, I will say I've, I've learned a lot from Tommy and, and they do just look like, I know it sounds ridiculous. I'm not a horse person, but just look like 
small horses out yeah, there. They're absolutely. not like a miniature horse breed or anything. I mean, I don't, they don't look like that at all. And so I've yeah, always been fascinated keep in mind, by it. People think I show ponies and then it's like a kind of the Shetland type yeah. of hearing. That's <laughs> not, not, what they, it's not really what they look like. No. I, I, and I failed to mention too, they do have to have Appaloosa coloring. Okay. So yeah. They, they have to have, okay. uh, they have to have spots in order to show. But uh, we, thanks to the, the beauty of genetics, we now have those genes right. identified and it helps us uh, make breeding selections and um, do do all kinds of cool things with with technology that uh, help us uh, hopefully create create a better pony for for kids and adults alike. Yeah, so, no, yeah. it's really cool. Maybe someday we'll have to do an episode on that. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be fun. So Rosalind has a big role here at OSU serving both the vet school and the extension system. One of the programs she's developed and starting with OSU is the OSU Integrated Beef Cattle Program. It's a sequence of classes meant to connect veterinary students with rural vets across the state. So that's a brief summary. So Rosalind, I'm gonna let you tell Absolutely. us all about it. Tell us a little bit about the program and why it was created. Right. So be, even before I was on board with OSU, um, we would put a proposal in to USDA, National Institute for Food and Agriculture, and we're very fortunate to receive grant funds to help get this program started. Uh, Dr. Gillum, John Gillum, uh, there's two Dr. Gillums at the veterinary school, yes. so I have to make sure <laughs> that uh, both Dr. Gillums, uh, Lindy Gillum and John Gillum are married and they both work here as well. But Dr. John Gillum, uh, both great to work with. Uh, John Gillum is one of our... Uh, uh, food animal specialist. He and I kind of lead the lead the project on on this. You know, the design, uh, as you mentioned, was intended to create a network between practicing beef cattle veterinarians in Oklahoma uh, in this first class and current veterinary students. So we knew even as we put the proposal together that we have shortage and under service of veterinary veterinary needs of producers across the state. But we didn't have a lot of data necessarily to put uh, put that together. Mm -hmm. uh, so where we started out with was a survey of beef cattle veterinarians, our current veterinary students, as well as beef cattle producers. And what we tried to do is put some numbers or metrics around what is this, what is this shortage going on? Because you know, we're, we're even seeing it here at the veterinary hospital uh, associated with the College of Vet Med. And we see we're, we're a referral specialty type practice. We're seeing food animal emergencies come in here from two plus hours out. And we hear it from producers all the time, too, of, you know, my veterinarian is, is getting older or they have retired or they have um, gone to a different type of practice. And so what we found uh, in our in our survey data was that over so Oklahoma has 77 counties, we'll remember mm -hmm. that we had job openings in 2020 and 2021 uh, for in it in over 40 counties okay. in, in those. And so that's that was just with our response rate. So we're probably that's just for beef cattle veterinarians wow. that doesn't impact, you know, um, those practices that only see horses or we know we have lots of rural practices that um, see a variety, see a variety of things. But. It, it solidified to us, which we knew that already, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it helps to have helps to have some of the numbers with it. Um, so in addition to those surveys of trying to get some metrics, we also are trying to work on here at the College of Veterinary Medicine of understanding the why we have some of these these gaps. And what we find is, um, you know, we're turning out probably 25% of our average class. Our average class is about 106 students. About 25% of our class 
it goes into mixed animal practice, mixed animal or food animal, mm -hmm. food animal practice, but they don't stay there very long. As we look at them five years out, there's only a handful of them that will stay in, stay in practice. And so we're trying to work on some things that can hopefully make a difference in, in that space. And the integrated beef cattle program is, is one of them. So uh, what we put together was a series of modules uh, where we bring, we were delayed a little bit by um, the pandemic oh, yeah. because we yes. felt like in order to do this effectively, we wanted people sitting side by side. Right. Because there is so much of veterinary medicine, uh, whether that be veterinarians with producers, uh, whether that be, you know, students interested in pursuing the career is a relationship focused, mm -hmm. right? And so we wanted to make sure we had the opportunity for, for people to be side by side. So we, we opened it up to Oklahoma veterinarians exclusively first, 20 beef cattle veterinarians from across the state. Uh, some that have been out over 40 years and some mm -hmm. of them that have graduated less than a year. And we put them side by side with students in each of our each of our classes here here at OSU. And um, we've had a module in January as well as April. And we're covering a variety of topics from leadership to to communication. Uh, we will talk about, you know, things you might guess would happen at educational events for veterinarians. We're talking about animal health diseases yeah. and things that's that's coming. But what we're trying to do is put together people in the same space that can network. That's one of the biggest goals of this class. We yeah. also want it to be um, a little bit of a of, of a participant led curriculum. And okay. so it's continuing to evolve as well. We want to provide important content to those sitting in sitting in that room that they're saying yes i need that you got a lot of ground to cover in veterinary medicine and we um we don't always get the depth of knowledge we need to to own a business or buy right. a business or how to address things like student loans and that's yeah. significant for our for our new graduates most of our new graduates the you know on average have six figures worth of debt um, oh. usually on uh, on the numbers of $180,000 plus mm -hmm. um, nationally is what our, our graduates, and that's just veterinary school debt, by yeah. the way. That's not, not I brought undergrad degree. to me, right. or I got a master's before he came, and we have a lot of those students that you know join us that, that do do, th do other things, mm -hmm. and then, then come back to veterinary medicine. So um, I think we're, I've been really, really, excited on how our modules have gone. I mean, we have seen, we're seeing things like students are now going into the practices that these veterinarians represent for summer jobs. Okay. And that quickly happened even within 30 to 60 days. So it's, it's a small group, but we're trying to make a little bit of effort as we go along to put more tools in everybody's toolkit. Because at the end of the day, we're trying to create more sustainable practices. That's generally a more profitable practice too, but ultimately that also provides service to beef cattle producers in the state. We have a, a cattle industry that in my mind is really second to none mm -hmm. um, uh, across the nation. And uh, we're trying to trying to make a difference in, in rural Oklahoma uh, from the veterinary standpoint here at the college. I also should mention too, I talked a lot about, you know, the College of Vet Med, but this yes. is really a cross-disciplinary team that got to put together. Okay. Uh, we have uh, Dr. Lawman and Dr. Beck okay. from, uh, from Animal Science and Extension, they're joining us. Um, Dr. Burr and Dr. Peel from, you know, AggieCon are, are with us as mm -hmm. well. We have a Dr. Whitworth that's the, one of our extension veterinarians. And so 
we have a lot of expertise across a lot of, uh, of different touch points, but we're also bringing in outside speakers as well. Practitioners like to learn from other practitioners. Right. So uh, we've, we've had um, really great opportunity. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention one of our new ag leadership um, professors out of uh, the college, Ferguson College of Agriculture, okay. Dr. Lauren Klein is helping. She provided nearly, goodness, nearly all of our first module uh, was was delivered by her on on leadership and communication. Did a fantastic job and really well received, mm-hmm. I think. So pretty important for a vet to be able to communicate, right? Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, and it's every it's every day, right? Yeah, like right. we've got to um, we have to be able to communicate. So. If you have a, you know, if you have a kid out there that's interested in going to veterinary school, push all of those leadership and communication Mm -hmm. um, skills uh, with them early. Uh, But important to communicate in a variety of ways, right? We've we've obviously got to communicate with with each other Mm -hmm. uh, on our veterinary team. Um, You know, if you're a practice owner, you're ultimately a supervisor as well. And so those kind of management things, it's critical that we uh, communicate with our clients and and try to um, be effective and make a difference in in their operations too. So. Yeah, it's important to think. I think some of us out in the country forget that veterinarians aren't just animal specialists. They're also business owners, human resource specialists, and you know all the things that go with running a small business, right? right? And so right. all those extra stressors, in addition to knowing all this array of knowledge on how to treat pink eye, how to, you know, figure out why a uh, guy's calves keep coming down with BRD, like lots of things like that. And I think some of us kind of miss I, that. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's one reason, too, why we see um, we see veterinarians kind of uh, leaving rural areas or rural practices mm-hmm. because of the variety of pressures mm-hmm. that that go along go along with that. But you're absolutely right. Veterinarians in rural Oklahoma are small business owners, um, their employers, they've got more than enough work as a general rule too. <laughs> One of my favorite things to do is, is talk with producers, of course, and I try mm-hmm. to encourage them to have a relationship early uh, with their veterinarian. Like don't develop your veterinary relationship at two in the morning. Like don't do that when you need a C-section, right. have that early. And I will say too that because of things like shortage and underservice in rural areas, what we are finding in many practices is there's only so many hours in the day. Right. And so if you're not an existing client, they don't have to see you. If we want really any of our small businesses in, in rural Oklahoma and beyond, uh, we've got to support them. Right. Yeah. And that includes a veterinarian. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard um, a lot of veterinarians doing like an eight to five, eight to five. Right. weekdays right. and um, eight to noon on Saturdays. And, and who can blame them? I mean, they have a family, they have spouses that sure. also need support. And so um, totally understandable. There's other pressures in life besides your job. And if and if you can help provide maybe some, you know, just more business savviness or that sort of thing that I think that makes them, you know, better in their business, but it takes some pressure off their family you know, the, uh, the husband or wife, the uh, spouse is not at home doing the books, you know, and right, it's right. just like all those things. So I think it's an excellent way for um, hopefully retaining more rural vets. Yeah, we're just um, trying to make a small difference and also hopefully create a network of people that they're they're looking for resources that, you know what, 
I am going to call Dr. Jones, for instance, because I know that she has a multiple doctor practice and I want to expand. How do I how do I do that? Mm -hmm. Or I know she deals with a lot of stalkers. Let me get let me get her perspective on this. Those are the kind of things that I think have been the most rewarding for me to see out Mm -hmm. of this program so far is making that connection. And um, I think that's good for everybody. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Rosalind, if future or current vets are interested in the program, how can they get involved? Absolutely. Well, as we look into this particular funding guarantees us a class through 2023, and we are going to open up beyond the the borders of Oklahoma. Now, I will tell you, because I'm an Oklahoman, Mm -hmm. um, Oklahomans are are probably first on the list, uh, if I can say that. Mm -hmm. So um, if we have veterinarians or we have current veterinary students that are interested in, in, you know, more information they can sign up on the vet med website the osu's vet med website so mm-hmm. vetmed.okstate.edu sign up there or they can contact me directly i'm happy to provide that that information and uh, then as we get into the fall uh, we will be putting more information out they can take a look at the dates and um, co- complete the application process and then we'll make that selection of the next class towards the end of the year beginning of next and then get, get rolling with our next class this is something that, you know, as we look at um, at the college and then with extension uh, as well, is, is a space that um, needs some attention. Even across the board, the American Veterinary Medical Association just recently put out some data that I believe it was in April. So it's, it's pretty fresh data. Mm-hmm that says uh, something happened during the pandemic. Like before the pandemic, there was about three and a half jobs for every veterinarian looking. Now that's not just in the rural space, that's not in the food animal space, it's across the board. But now the numbers say there's 12 and a half jobs for every veterinarian that is looking. And that's not just new grads. And so we have, we have some real opportunity um, to try to encourage young people and to try to encourage our early career veterinarians to to stay stay with it. And hopefully we can make a difference with with this program. Rosalind, thanks so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Listeners, if you would like more information about the OSU Integrated Beef Cattle Program, uh, visit uh, vetmed.okstate.edu. But I'll also have all that in the show notes. I'll have Rosalind's uh, contact information, um, Dr. Biggs, right? And all the information will be there. And so thank you so much for joining us today and have a great week. 